I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 16, Upon You, My Fellow Servants, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Sections 12 and 13, plus Joseph Smith History, Chapter 1, Verse 66 through 75, and the Notes by Oliver Cowtree. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a Come Follow Me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Does it happen to anybody else that when you have a song stuck in your head, it's usually just like one line of the song and it just goes over and over and over again, even though you know there's more of the song? Anyway, that's where I'm at. I've been listening to Evermore by Taylor Swift and I have... um, now I can't even think of the song. <laughs> I can't even think of what the song is called, but it's stuck in my head and it just keeps going over and over again. It's great. Anyway, let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about doctrine and covenants. Um, there were quite a few, see, there are three different talks that were recommended, um, by the come follow me. And I pulled a little bit from all of them. I really liked all of them. I highly recommend if you have time going through and reading all of them. And if you don't have time to read them, you can actually play them back on your phone. If you have the Gospel Library app, you can just like open up the talk and there's a little play button at the top. And if you hit that, it will show you the recording from the General Conference. And I want to say the recordings go back into the 90s. I think anything, maybe even to the 80s. Anything beyond that, I they I think they might have some audio, but you might just have to read it. Uh, having to read things. Old school. Okay, so let's talk about Heavenly Father and Christ. Um, I feel like it's one thing that really stuck out for me with these, all the literature and everything that we read for this, um, was that at the end of all of it, Heavenly Father and Christ win. Like, we know the score. We know how the game's going to end. Um, there's a quotation by uh, Jeffrey R. Holland. I referenced it. Oh, I want to say it's actually in the very first scripture podcast. So the very first podcast is my intro, the one after that. I want to say I referenced this quotation where he talks about how we know how the score is going to end up. And it's just about whose jersey you're going to be wearing at the end of the game. Um, so... With that in mind, I want to take a look at the note um, by Oliver Cowdery at the end of, so there's Joseph Smith history, verse, or chapter one, verse 75, and then afterwards there's like a note by Oliver Cowdery. This quotation comes from within that, okay? He says, man may deceive his fellow men. Deception may follow deception, and the children of the wicked one may have the power to seduce the foolish and the untaught, till naught but fiction feeds the many, and the fruit of falsehood carries in its currents the giddy to the grave. But one touch with the finger of his love, yea, oh yes, one ray of glory from the upper world, or one word from the mouth of the Savior, from the bosom of eternity, strikes it all into insignificance and blots it forever from the mind. First of all, can we just like applaud Oliver Cowdery? The language in that is gorgeous. I'm just dying over some of these phrases. Um, My English major is totally nerding out, but I just love this concept that it's like, it doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter how overwhelming it feels. It doesn't matter how 
much it looks like the adversary is going to win this, at the end of it all, Satan has to pull out every trick in the book. Every He's got to put 100% of his forces on this. And the Savior can take it all down and knock it all down to, into insignificance with a single word, with a single touch, right? With one ray of glory. I mean, whose team do you really want to be on, right? I think it's important that we recognize that because I think especially in today's world, and I think media and our cell phones have a lot to do with this, not necessarily like in a bad way of um, their evil, but just that we have access to more information more of the time, right? Um, I've talked to my husband about this in terms of shark attacks, right? We think, oh, more people are being attacked by sharks every year. But actually, if you look at the statistics, they're exactly the same. We just hear about it more often because it happens in Australia and somebody tweets it and then suddenly the entire world knows about it. Whereas before, it wasn't a severe shark attack. The kid, you know, got a bite on his foot. He's fine. But now the whole world knows about it. Whereas before, it would have taken a fatality for us to find out about it. I don't know if that makes sense, but we're just inundated with all of the bad that happens around the world. And I think it's also important to note that our brains are designed to look for what's wrong, right? Like it's, it's a safety feature (laughs) um, from our brains to look at what's wrong and make sure that we can address that so that we stay safe. Um, But because of that, we look for what's wrong all the time. And so when you're only looking for what's going wrong in the world, you're going to find a lot and it's going to feel like the world is just going to explode at any second and it's so evil and it's so wicked and it's all just going to burn in a fiery crisp, which, you know, there are definitely parts that will, but, um, at the end of it all, right. We have to remember that Christ and heavenly father and that heavenly glory, the whole reason we're here, the whole thing that we're trying to get back to has power that makes all of the hard impossible, evil things of this world seem insignificant, right? And so I think I I remind myself of that, of like the magnitude of the glory and power of Heavenly Father in Christ. And I'm like, okay, I'm on the right team. Even though this feels hard right now, it's going to be okay, right? Okay, so Christ has this incredible, incredible power, right? We've established that. And the priesthood is a tiny part of that power. One of the talks that Come Follow Me recommends reading is The Priesthood and the Savior's Atoning Power by Dale G. Renland from October 2017 General Conference. Um, And this is the quotation that I wanted to read. If I can find it. Here we go. And I found, I read this and I was like, that has got to be the best definition of the priesthood I've ever heard. Which is why I wanted to read it now. Okay. Because of his atoning sacrifice, Jesus Christ has the power and authority to redeem all mankind. To make his atoning power accessible, he has delegated a portion of his power and authority to men on earth. This delegated power and authority is called the priesthood. Um, And I love this idea that Christ needed to make it accessible to us because he wasn't always going to be physically present on earth, right? And so he wanted to make sure that we always had access to this power and authority. Um, Okay. And one thing I want to note, something that I've always found incredibly comforting and fascinating is that unlike the power of men, the power of God cannot be misused, right? 
Um, again, my husband and I talk a lot. Um, we were talking one time about like superheroes, right? And how good guys, bad guys, if they're superpowers, right, you can misuse your superpowers. I was actually thinking about this the other day about how cool it would be if money was like the priesthood, right? Where money could only be used for good. If somebody tried to use money to do something bad, it wouldn't work. Like the, the person would not be able to accept the money. It would just disappear. The card would be declined, whatever it was. It just, it was not capable of being used for bad, right? If it was only capable of being used for good and how different this world would be if money was only capable of being used for good. If you try to use it for bad, it just didn't work. Um, because that's how the power of God is, right? The priesthood is. If the person wielding it is not worthy or is not, is using it for their own, their own purposes to get ahead in the world for whatever reason, is not using it for the glory of God, is not using it for the, to serve others and to further the gospel, then it's not going to work. Heavenly Father's like, yeah, that's that, good luck. Good luck. You're on your own. Right. Um, and I think that that's kind of incredible. Um, and it means that we can trust our leaders to Heavenly Father is never going to put somebody in a position of power like the prophet um, who will lead us astray, right? And I love that. Um, and one other thing I wanted to talk about before we move on to plan of salvation is that Heavenly Father and Christ are so, so, so very aware of us. Um, this also comes from Oliver Cowdery's notes. I wish I could reference it a little bit more than just Oliver Cowdery's notes, but it's that's what it is. It's just the notes after. Um, and he says, this was not long desired before it was realized. The Lord, who is rich in mercy and ever willing to answer the consistent prayer of the humble. Um, there's more of the sentence, but that's the part I wanted to focus on was this idea that he is rich in mercy and ever willing to answer the consistent prayer of the humble. Um, sometimes our prayers are not answered the second we make the prayer, right? We don't like, dear Heavenly Father, I want a million dollars. Okay, where's my million dollars, right? Like, it doesn't work that way. Um, it's consistent prayer of the humble, and I think that that's important to show up consistently. Um, you don't want to be a fair-weather friend to Heavenly Father. And the last thing I wanted to read, um, and I actually posted this quotation on, if this is the one I think it is, I actually posted this quotation on... Um, Instagram. So go scroll my Instagram, naptime devotionals, naptime underscore devotionals. Okay. Um, so service in God's work, this comes straight from the come follow me. This is just part of it in this. It's part of the lesson. Um, service in God's work has always been about how we serve, not about who notices. However small or unseen your contributions may seem at times, you too are a fellow servant in the Lord's great work. And the thing I thought about immediately um, was parents. <laughs> because when I was reading this, I was up at like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning nursing the baby. Um, and my husband was trying very hard <laughs> to get some sleep next to me. Because our baby does not like getting his bum changed. That baby is not a big fan. So he screams like he's being murdered every time we change his bum. It's 
it's a blast. Um, but I just thought, you know, I think sometimes it can feel like nobody sees what we're doing and it's not true. Heavenly Father absolutely sees what we're doing. And I feel like it's the adversary that is in there going, this doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Nobody sees what you're doing. This is, you know, why bother? Why even bother? Um, and Heavenly Father has very good reasons why we bother because we want our families to be eternal. We want, um, to experience the blessings that come with that. Um, okay. Plan of salvation. So let's look at second Nephi 32, um, verses two through three. I want, I'm not going to read it, but go read it. Okay. Um, I love this idea that we can speak with the tongue of angels, right? When we get the Holy ghost, we have, that's one of the things that is promised to us. And the angels, I'm paraphrasing here, but the angels speak in the language of Christ, right? They use the words of Christ to speak. And so if you're not familiar with the words of Christ, you're not going to be able to speak in the tongue of angels, right? Um, and so I just love this idea that we have to, this is where we get feast upon the words of Christ, right? We have to study the scriptures to know what to say, but also to recognize when we're being told what to say, you know? Um, another talk that the Come Follow Me recommends is the Ministry of Angels by Jeffrey R. Holland. Um, and he says, on occasions, global or personal, <laughs> We may feel we are distanced from God, shut out from heaven, lost, alone in the dark and dreary places. Often enough, that distress can be of our own making. But even then, the Father of us all is watching and assisting. And always there are those angels who come and go around us, seen and unseen, known and unknown, mortal and immortal. And I just love this idea of like taking a moment and thinking about how many angels have you interacted with today that you didn't even know about, that you didn't see, that you didn't know, you know, mortal, immortal. Like, I just love this idea that we are, we are still being assisted by angels, um, even today. And I think it's also important to note that we need each other, right? Because this is mortal and immortal, right? Sometimes we are the angels. We are need to listen to the spirit and be the angels for other people as well. Um, last talk reference is from, do we know what we have by Carol M. Stevens, October, 2013 general conference. Um, and she says there exists today, a great need for men and women to cultivate respect for each other as sons and daughters of God and reverence for our father in heaven and his priesthood, his power and authority. He has a plan for us, and when we exercise our faith and trust in his plan, our reverence for him and for his priesthood power and authority will be strengthened. Um, she also says, we all need each other. Sons of God need daughters of God, and daughters of God need sons of God. Um, and I think the world, at least from my perspective, the world is so obsessed with what can men do that women do? What can women do that men do? And like trying to make things so equal in not in the sense of, I don't think men and women were designed to be equal in terms of they're the same. I think we were designed to be equal in terms of how two oxen pull a cart, right? They don't pull the same weight, 
but they pull the same amount of weight. Does that make sense? Like they're complementary to each other because if they're both pulling the same weight, they're both pulling the left side of the cart, then the right side of the cart would just be kind of dragging along and it wouldn't get taken care of. And so one pulls left side, one pulls right side. I know that's not technically how it works, but you know, go with me here on the image. If we're both trying to pull the same side of the cart, the other side of the cart is completely neglected and we don't move anywhere. We just end up fighting each other. Um, maybe a better, maybe a better um, metaphor is like on a soccer team, right? If we're all trying to shoot the ball, then then our goal is left wide open and the opposing team can get in there no problem. If we're all trying to play the center forward, it's not going to work. One of us has to be the goalie. One of us has to be the center forward. Somebody's got to be the left defense or you know what I mean? Like there, we all have to play our parts and we are all equally important. We're all equally loved. Um, but we don't all serve the same purpose. And I think that the world is so obsessed with equality that they're confusing equality and sameness, um, that we can be equal and complementary um, without having to do exactly the same things. Not saying that you can't do this, you know, do the same things, but anyway. Okay. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about here before we move on to application is Joseph Knight and his family. I highly recommend reading um, Revelations in context. It was really cool to learn about. Um, and one of the things that it talked about was how Joseph Knight and his family helped Joseph Smith while, um, while the prophet was translating the Book of Mormon. And I think it's important to note that um, sometimes, like we said earlier, our service doesn't feel, it doesn't feel big. It doesn't feel noticed, right? Um, in the Revelations in Context, it says, Speaking of Joseph Knight Sr., Joseph Smith wrote, He very kindly and considerably considerately brought us a quantity of provisions in order that we might not be interrupted in the work of translation. Knight recalled providing <clears throat> a barrel of mackerel and some lined paper for writing, some nine or ten bushels of grain, and some five or six bushels of taters, potatoes, and a pound of tea. And I think sometimes it feels like, well, I'm just dropping off a meal. It's not that big of a deal, right? But it can be huge. It can be massive. I know that when people were bringing us meals um, after I had um, our fourth baby, um, after I had baby Scott, um, it was it was huge. And I appreciated it so much. Um, it was my kids enjoyed getting to see, oh, what did they bring us? It was such a surprise. I enjoyed not having to cook anything or have to worry about feeding the family while also trying to, you know, heal from having a baby. Um, so last thing, let's talk about application. I feel like there's basically two things that we do here. Read your scriptures, right? Become very, very familiar with them. Become as familiar with your scriptures as you are familiar with Harry Potter or whatever your favorite book is. If your favorite book is Little Women, Little Women become as familiar with um, the scriptures as Little Women, whatever it is. Um, and then listen to the spirit and trust God. I want to just end with this quotation by Elder Holland. And he says, I ask everyone within the sound of my voice to take heart, be filled with faith and remember 
The Lord has said he would fight our battles, our children's battles, and the battles of our children's children. So we're not alone. No matter what Satan tells you, no matter how loud he um, seems to be yelling in your face, you are not alone. Even for one second, Heavenly Father is always with you and you have an entire army of angels rooting for you. I'm rooting for you and you've got this. And I will see you, or I rather I won't see you, but I will talk to you next week. 